Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. Well, today we are going to, to dive into week two of Undefeated. Last week, I told you that we are perfectly capable of losing. Right by ourselves, we're perfectly capable of losing. But God is not capable of losing. History proves that God always wins. And as children of God, we must stop living life in a constant state of defeat. It's time for the church to get tough. Amen? No, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't get any emails this past week, so that's a good thing. But, But Romans 8 and 37 tells us, no, despite all these things, say all these things. All these things. It doesn't matter what it is. All these things. It says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. I I, I went ahead and went there last week, uh, hoping to give you some encouragement uh, during this very difficult political season. And I told you, God has never lost an election. And there was scripture to back that up. God has never lost an election. And I told you that if your candidate of choice does not win the election, relax. Relax. The church, we don't need to be like the world. We need to relax. We looked at the third chapter of the book of Daniel. And I showed you where in the middle of a political wicked atmosphere, there were three Hebrew boys that they didn't rant and rave about a corrupt king. They didn't start a coup to overthrow the government. They simply stood for their beliefs and and did not do what others were doing. And that's what the church needs to do right there. If we'll just simply stand for our beliefs and not conform to the ways of this world, amazing things will happen. And because they would not bow, because they would not conform, they were thrown into a fiery furnace. But it was there in that furnace where God showed up in that fire with them and brought them out safely. And I told you, we are so frightened by adversity. Even us Christians, we are so frightened by adversity. But adversity invites Jesus to walk with you in the fire. Without adversity, you don't need Jesus. Without needing to be saved, you don't need a Savior. But it's those moments of adversity where he shows up. There was a senior citizen who was driving down the freeway when his wife called him on his cell phone. And she said, Herman, because that's a good name for a senior citizen, right? Herman... I just heard on the news that there's a car going the wrong way on I-75. Please be careful. And Herman responded, Martha, because that's a good name for a senior citizen, right? Martha, it's not just one car, dear. It's hundreds of them. Half the room didn't get it, but you'll catch up in a minute. Many times in life, church, I have been heading the right direction, but I'm in the wrong lane. Anybody else? You ever been heading in the right direction, but you're in the wrong lane? There have been moments when I have been fighting for the right, uh, I'm fighting the right battle. I'm fighting for the right cause, but I'm using the wrong method for victory. And some of you, you know what this looks like because, um, you know, that person offended you. They offended you. So what did you do? You insulted them. Or, or they overlooked you for the promotion, so you sabotage their promotion. Or your life is not satisfying, so, so you despise everybody else's life that looks appealing to you. And your life is so miserable that you want to make everybody else miserable around you because misery loves 
company, right? So these are the methods uh, uh, that, that we often resort to, but these are not the methods that bring victory to your circumstances. And, and today we are going to learn a very unconventional battle plan. If you will stay with me for a few moments, we're going to learn how to fight things differently. If we want to go undefeated, we've got to fight with, in, in a different way than the way the world fights. If you will, I want you to turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. As you're turning there, let me talk to you and give you a little bit of history uh, to kind of catch you up to what we're reading about. King Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, was doing a good job of setting up the infrastructure for a successful kingdom. If you read the chapter prior to what we're going to be reading today, you can read about how he was, he was getting things in order. And one of the great things that King Jehoshaphat was doing is that he was setting up judges all over uh, the fortified cities, the cities that were, that, that the major cities of Israel. He was setting up uh, uh, judges over them so that people could go to the judges and, and, and he could keep peace in the land. And, and he instructed the judges to consider what they were doing. He wanted them to contemplate it. If you accept this role, if you accept this mission, then, then here's what I need you to think about. He said, and these are the words that he used. He said, for you judge not for man, but for the Lord. He is with you giving judgment. And so he put this responsibility on these judges. He said, listen, you're not standing there on your own. You're standing there as an ambassador of God. And when you judge these people, when, you, when they bring their problems to you, when you keep order in that land, remember that you're not judging for man, but you're judging for the Lord. And he is, he is with you there giving judgment. And, and so how many of you know that when, when things are going good and, and when the, the, the right structure is in place, that the enemy will show up, right? I was having lunch with somebody this week. And that was one of the things they said. When things are going good, I get afraid that, that things are, are going to go bad. And I know that feeling. I mean, I'm just going to be very honest and human with you today. When things are going really good, you can always rest assured and know that Satan is going to show up and try and fight it. I've said it for years. If Satan's not fighting you, you're not worth fighting for. That means he's got you right where he wants you. And so if he starts fighting you, that means that you are on the right track. And, and, and when you're doing good, the enemy usually tries to show up. And if you're on the right path, he'll do everything that he possibly can to get you on the wrong path. And so I want us to start reading it. Second Chronicles chapter 20. We're going to be reading quite a few verses out of this today, but, but, but we're going to chop them up a little bit. We're going to read the first three verses and then we're going to stop. So just keep your Bibles open for, for the remainder of this sermon, if you will. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Starting at verse 1. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites, and with them some of the Moonites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazazon Tamar, that is in Gedi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid. Let's stop right there just for a moment. The threat of war hung over this king's head and he received word that there were three armies, not one army. One army he might could have handled, not two armies. If, if he really, really had a good motivational speech, maybe they could have taken on two armies, but, but no. There were three armies that had gathered against God's people to attack them. 
And like any human, Jehoshaphat, he allows fear to set in. He becomes afraid in this moment. It's a natural human response. Church, let me tell you something, and, and, and please understand this. And some of you, you're just going to get victory from this. You, you'll be ready for me to pray, and, and you'll, you'll be ready to leave right after I say this. But, but understand, it's okay to have a meltdown from time to time. Just don't unpack and live there. It's okay to feel sorry for yourself sometimes. It's okay to be fearful sometimes. It's okay to be angry sometimes. God gave you all of these emotions. It's all right. But just don't camp out in that camp for very long because when emotions overtake you, God is not going to be able to accomplish what he wants to do through your life. When emotions overtake you, you are giving the enemy a foothold on your life. Emotions, if not controlled, they will control us. And our emotions come in all kinds of shapes and sizes. Fear, anger, sadness, disgust, contempt. This list can go on and on and on. And, and if your emotions are left unbridled, your emotional, um, emotions will eventually control your outcome. This past Thursday evening, I had a very, very long day. I, during the morning, I had a, a couple of... Uh, appointments at the office and and I had a, a memorial service at three o'clock and so after the appointments and, and and just trying to get things ready for the memorial service I, I didn't even take lunch I just I just worked right through lunch and uh and I went and performed the memorial service and and when we left there we we, we came back through Newberry I changed clothes really quick because I was in a suit I asked nobody please don't take pictures and prove that I was in a suit so I was in a suit and 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 I went by and changed and, and I grabbed a pack of M&Ms off the counter really quick and and just started eating I think I had the M&Ms uh, completely I think they were gone before I got from the house and I live right around the corner in Country Way from the house to the church office, I think they were gone. I mean, I was just like pouring these things down my mouth, just hungry. And that's all I'd had to eat all day. And so I get to the office and I take care of a few things. And, and then uh, we, we wanted to, to pick up food for, for, for Kenny's family. And so we, we, I went by, by Sonny's Barbecue and I walk in and man, I'm smelling Sonny's Barbecue. And I'm smelling, I'm like, man, this smells really good. But I didn't have time, didn't have time. So I get the food, and we, we run by the hospital, and I, I drop off food there. And then when we left there from visiting with Kenny, uh, I went over to the, the VA hospital to visit with Mr. Chestnut. And, and before I knew it, it was, it was 9.30 at night. And this whole day had just, just got away from me. And I realized, walking to, to my Jeep, I realized I'm hungry. I'm very hungry right now. I'm very hungry. And so Mandy, she was, she was staying at her grandparents' house and uh, just, just helping out. She was there. She wasn't mad at me and didn't leave the house or anything like that. She was just staying, staying with her grandparents and stuff. And so I, I texted Caleb and I said, hey, have, did, have, have you ate yet? You know, do you, do you want something to eat? He said, yeah, I'm already at home. I said, well, I'll pick something up for us. What do you want? And uh, he, he said, uh, you know, bacon cheeseburger. And I said, well, that sounds good. And so I, I, I'm at the red light, and uh, I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm watching. I'm not going to say the name of this restaurant, but, but it's, it's a local burger joint. And so I'm sitting at the red light looking and, um, at, at this restaurant, um, 
I really don't want to say the name. I'm being careful. But I'm looking, and there's two open signs on the restaurant, and they're both on. And I'm watching the clock tick, and I'm like, if I can just get there before 10. I know they close at 10, if I can just get there before 10. And I pull in, pull into a parking spot. I get out. It is 9.58, 9.58. I get out. I'm, I'm stepping up you know, onto the curb, and, and I'm looking, and, and the guy is watching me. And he reaches up and turns off the open sign and locks the door. And I went, really? It's been a long day now. Remember that, okay? It's been a long day. And I went, I went, really? And he opens the door just enough, just enough to say, we close at 10. I said, it's 9.58. No, it's 10. And he locks the door. And there's two customers in there waiting on their food. The grill is going. I see the smoke. And, and there's, a, there's somebody behind the counter cooking. And I'm thinking... I just wanted it to go. I didn't even want to eat in your restaurant. I just, I understand, you know, it's closing time. I was just going to get it to go. That's, that's all that I wanted. And so he's staring at me through the glass. I'm staring at him through the glass. And so I reach for my phone I, and I got my phone out and standing there looking at him, I pull up their website, their corporate website. And it has this little tab there that says, contact us. I think I will. <laughs> and I sent headquarters an email. And I sit right there in the parking lot. And I'm, I'm, I mean, he goes back behind the counter. He's staring at He's talking with the guy. They're laughing. They're laughing. All I wanted was a cheeseburger. That's all I wanted. All I wanted. I type out this message. And, and it was great. It was great. Management needed to know the lack of customer service that they had. They needed to know. But as I watched those two guys laughing behind the counter and having a good old time, and they're smelling burgers cooking and all this kind of, they probably smell like cooked burgers. And, and as, as, as I'm watching this, my anger begins to fume. And the email was great, except for the last line. Now, for some of you, you're going to be like, oh, that's nothing. But as soon as I hit send, I was like, oh, why did I do that? Because my last thing that I said was, and this is the reason why I will go across the street to your competitor from now on. I actually named the competitor, which the competitor was BurgerFi. So I'll let you figure out who the other one was. But, but I said, from now on, I, this is why I will take my business to BurgerFi, and you will not be getting my business. And as soon as I sent it, I was like, but I really like their burgers. <laughs> Why would I say that? And, and then this guilt comes over me and I'm like, they just needed to be aware. It needed to be an informative email, not a threat. And sometimes that's how your emotions will get the best of you. You, you know what I'm talking about. You've been, you've been there this week. All this morning you said things on the way to church uh, that, that, to your spouse that you shouldn't have said. You know, we know what I mean. Your emotions, sometimes they'll get the best of you if you're not careful. And that's exactly what, what happened. And the next day I'm in the office. That was Thursday night. Friday morning I'm in the office. The phone rings. Pastor Andrew says the name of this business that it is. And, and he says, are you expecting? And I went, oh, oh, catch that, catch that. I get on the phone, it's the manager. And he's like, Mr. McKinley, I called to apologize to you. And I said, no, 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 stop, 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 stop. I need to apologize to you, man. I'm sorry for that last line. And he's like, what? 
I said, no, seriously, man, I, I, I love your restaurant. It's a good restaurant. I said, I, I, I shouldn't have said that. You needed to be made aware, but, but I didn't need to throw that threat out there. Man, I'm, I apologize. And it caught the guy off guard. And he was like, well, I just, I just wanted to say your, your next meal is going to be on us, man. If you'll just come by, we'll buy your lunch or whatever. And I was like, no, nah, it's not necessary, man. It's not necessary. Because I'm feeling bad because my emotions got the best of me, right? Church, listen. God created you with all of your emotions, but he did not create you to be held captive by your emotions. And that's the problem with some of us is we allow our emotions to overtake us and we are often held captive by those emotions. Jehoshaphat, he, he, he didn't allow the emotion of fear to take control. Listen to what happened in 2 Chronicles 20. Let's go to verse uh, 3 now. Let's, let's read 3 again. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid, and he set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. And all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over the kingdoms of the nations, and your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? Listen, this is how they're overcoming fear. They are reminding themselves, God does not need to be reminded of what he's already done. He needs to be praised for what he's already done. But God does not need to be reminded. God knows perfectly well what he's already brought you through. But sometimes you just need to pray it out to God so that you remember what God has already brought you through. And so they're going through uh, 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 this, this prayer. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, the judgment or pestilence or famine we will stand before this house and before you for your name is in this house and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save and now behold the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt and whom they avoided and did not destroy behold they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession which you have given us to inherit Oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is, that, that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Instead of being controlled by his emotions, King Jehoshaphat took his emotions to the one that created those emotions. I am so glad, church, that God is not afraid of our honest prayers. Some of you, you've, you've never prayed an honest prayer to God. Never. You've never prayed an honest prayer to God because you want to say things in your prayer that you think God wants to hear. And so your prayers are about this long because you are done with all of your holy lingo in about that amount of time. And, and, and you've run out of things to say when what God wants to hear is what's really troubling you and what's really on your heart and your mind. And so when you get to that place and that relationship with God that you are able to hit your knees and you're actually able to cry out and say, God, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. But you overcome that fear by saying, but God, I know that you are capable. Listen to the end of verse 12 again. We do not know what to do, 
but our eyes are on you. God, in this difficult time with three armies coming against us, we don't know what to do. But nevertheless, our eyes are on you. Because God, the only way we're going to get through this is by you and through you. God, there is no other way. You see, some of us, we've just got to get to that place that we, we have to realize that we live, we move, we breathe. Everything that we do, we overcome simply by the power of God and nothing else in our life. You are where you are today because of God and how he worked in your life. And when you have that assurance, you can stand against three armies and know and, and just be reassured that God is going to bring you through that moment. We don't know what to do, but God, right now in this moment, our eyes, they're fixed on you. Some of us, we've got to learn to get our eyes off of our circumstance and get our eyes back on our creator. Jehoshaphat establishes his focus and his dependence upon God. Some of us, we need to stand up and we need to realize God's got this. God's got this. No matter what you are going through in this moment, God's got this and it did not catch him off guard. God's got this. Oh, look at somebody next to you and say, God's got this. No matter what you're going through, God's got this. Verse 13. Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord. I love this picture right here. Listen to, what, listen to Judah as they stand. Listen to this nation as they stand before the Lord with their little ones, with their wives and their children. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah. Go down to verse 15 and listen to what this prophet says. And he said... Listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. The battle is not yours, but God's. The battle is not yours, but God. Somebody say that with me right now. You need this. The battle is not yours, but God's. I need this right now. I need this. The battle's not mine. It's God's. I've coached many different ages in, in basketball. I mean, from, from little ones up through, through seniors in high school. And, and here's what I've noticed about basketball players. The older they get the more they think they can fight with a ref. When they're little, ref makes a call, they don't care. They drop the ball, run down to the other end, get ready to play defense. It's a beautiful thing. But the older they get, they mo the more they want to argue with a ref, and, and I, it, I just despise it. I can't stand it. And so every year during basketball season, I'm looking at players and I'm going, stop, stop. You look like a moron out there on that floor. Stop. I've used this so many times, so many times I've said, there may be a scout up in those stands watching and the way you're showing disrespect to that ref, 
We've only had like two kids ever that could make it to the next level in basketball probably. But I'm telling all of them, there's a scout up there in those stands. And they're looking at you and they're not going to pick you because you're always arguing with the ref. I would love to say it stopped at college. I think college probably has it under control more than anybody. You get to the NBA, they're making more money than the refs. I mean, what? It's, it's ridiculous. I'm, I'm venting right now. Let's go. But, but the older they get, the older they get, the more these kids want to argue with a ref. And I'll tell them, that battle is not yours. You do what you're supposed to do on that court. You get out there, you box out, you get rebounds. You get out there on that court, and, and, and you make sure you look up when you dribble. Look up when you dribble. When you pass, I want you to make sure that you are pushing that ball from your chest. I want zip passes. That's what I want. That's your battle. Worry about the things you can control, but you let the coaches worry about the refs. That's our battle. We will talk to the refs, not you. And I've got enough technical fouls to prove that I will go to battle with a ref, okay? <laughs> We've got to learn what is and what isn't our battles. If you want to go undefeated, you must learn to let God fight the battles for you. Deuteronomy 3 and 22 says, do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God himself will fight for you. Proverbs 21 and 31 says, the horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what would be good for us. We need to learn to mind our own business. And until we are God, our battles are not our business. It's his business. He's commanded us, cast your cares on him because he cares for you is what the word says. We're trying to battle things out when what we need to learn to do is put our focus, focus our attention back on God and let God do the fighting for you. He gives you the victory, but the battle belongs to him. And your greatest victories will be won by the Lord. Your weakest victories are the ones that you'll win yourself. This is why a young shepherd named David could stand before a giant named Goliath and he would declare, this battle is not mine, the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. It's an unconventional plan of warfare. And the church has forgot this. We have forgotten how to give it to him. And so we're going to end this a little bit different. Tim, if you will, come on. I want our praise team band, if you guys will come on up. Because there's a secret weapon that took place in this text. And, and it's very unconventional. The army of Judah... They gave up the element of surprise. Oh, Trump wouldn't like them at all. Trust me, trust me, trust me. Why do you keep telling the enemy what you're going to do? Man, I'm telling you. They gave up the element of surprise. Because here's what happened. They chose not to sneak up on their enemies. They came marching down the road singing at the top of their lungs. This is not the way you would approach war. 
But they come down the road, they put the praise team in front, and, and, and they just send them out. And, and I can hear, as, as the, the, the song begins to be sung, I can hear the, the army starting to, to, to sing with the praise team as they're marching down the road. And, and it wasn't a patriotic hymn. Oh, that would have been great, but, but it wasn't a patriotic hymn. It, it wasn't a love song. It wasn't a military march. Uh, it wasn't a cadence or anything, but it was this, this, this cry of praise to Almighty God. And here's what they were singing. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. They have not even won the victory yet. And they're marching and singing. Give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And over and over and over they kept singing this song, lifting their praise higher and higher and higher. And here's what happened. The enemy panicked. They heard the noise. They heard the singing. I don't know if God multiplied their voices. I don't know if an angel army descended above them that they couldn't see and began singing with them. But, but whatever happened, it freaked the enemy out. And first, the Moabites and the, and the Ammonites, they turned on the Moonites and, and, and they killed them. And so the two strongest armies killed the weakest one. And then two strongest armies, they turn on each other and, and they begin attacking each other. And meanwhile, the army of Judah, they just keep on marching and singing. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And they just keep singing this over and over and over. And when they get to the high place overlooking the battlefield, all they see there are dead men. They never had to raise a sword. They never had to fire shot. God allowed the victory to be won, but he did all the fighting for them. So what do we do? What do you do with this? You cast your cares on him because he cares for you and you just praise him for the victory even before you see it. King Jehoshaphat had to do that. He had to learn to overcome that emotion of fear. To give it to God. Fix his eyes on God. And when God said, sing, sing. And so here's what we're going to do. Very different service for us today. Very different. We're, we're going to close this thing out in just a moment. And some of you, that you're in the middle of a battle right now, I dare you to praise him and give him the praise for the victory already even before you see it I dare you I dare you thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC we pray you have been blessed by today's message we would love to meet you in person for service times and directions log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284 Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church for Life's Journey.